today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. See, God, again, wants us to teach our children about Him. Proverbs says it, 22.6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train here means to dedicate. We need to dedicate our children to the Lord, teaching them uh, who He is, so that they know who God is. So that they know who Jesus is and teaching him, uh, teaching them all of his ways. Pastor Eric shows us in today's message that if we leave our children to be educated by the world, they will learn worldly ways. Instilling God's values when a child is young is so important. We see the results of not passing on godly values to the next generation in Judges 2. They sinned against God and worshipped their own idols. Let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 7, for today's study. If you would, open your Bibles to Judges, chapter 2. We read verses 1 through 6. We learned that there was disobedience in the camp of the Israelites, and the angel of the Lord came down to correct them. Many refer to the angel of the Lord of the Lord himself coming and rebuking and correcting the people. And so the, the problem that the Lord had with the children of Israel is that uh, they were not following God's commandments in driving out the inhabitants of the land. And this was a big deal because now they're in the promised land and God didn't want them to fall to uh, worship of the false gods and idols of the, uh, of the people who were in the land. And so God wanted them to go into the land and to destroy all the altars, destroy all the gods, and, and to drive out the people from the land. But the children of Israel, as we learned in chapter 1, they did not do that. And so God had to correct them. He corrected them and he said to them in verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore I also will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. And so there's a consequence for their sin, that these people would be a snare and thorns to the Israelites. Now as we look at correction, we know and looked at what correction is last week, but you know what, honestly, we don't like to be corrected. Correction is not fun, but does that mean correction is a bad thing? No, it doesn't. See, the point of correction is to bring a person back to what is right. And God corrected the children of Israel because he wanted them to follow his ways. He wanted them to do what was right. And see, correction is not a new thing. It's not like, oh, it just popped up and now th that's what it is. Correction has been there since uh, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. God created Adam and Eve. And, and they fell into sin and God corrected them. And so correction has always been there since the fall of man. And see, God wants us to be right and not wrong. And when I say right, he doesn't want us to sin against him. He wants us to obey him. And if we don't, he corrects us. Now we know that. We've, we've heard that probably many times in our lives. Well, so did the children of Israel, but oftentimes they would revert back to their wicked ways and doing things that was right in their own eyes. See, the problem is, is that Israel didn't learn from their mistakes. And so many times do we learn from our mistakes? Or do we fall back in and keep doing it? You know, we learned last week as they were crying because God rebuked them and he corrected them. They were crying out to the Lord. But we learned that, you know, you can correct somebody and the emotions can flow, right? 
The crying can happen. Just like if you spank your child or correct them, tears usually come flowing. But it's on the inside is what matters. And so God looks at the heart, not on the outside. And so when we are corrected, we need to have that change of heart and know what we've done wrong and go away from that. See, Israel didn't do that, as we will learn tonight more of their unfaithfulness to God. But the truth of the matter is, though, you guys, is that we are all like Israel. We make mistakes. We make mistakes every day. I mean, the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And in the, subject of, uh, in the subject of life, we get things wrong. We give the wrong answers sometimes. We answer by what we think is right. And guess what? That's wrong. <laughs> we answer what we think is right. But that's not right. And so God corrects us. And he shows us our mistakes. But it's what we do with those corrections. What do we do with God's corrections? Have you ever just been reading God's word and you're like the Holy Spirit is just driving your heart saying, man, you need to repent. It's, it's that, that time when your, your heart starts beating and you're just like, oh, man, what are you going to do with God's correction? Do you learn from them or do you ignore them? What do we do with them? So God corrected Israel because he loved them. He loved them so much he wanted them to do what was right and, and that was being obedient to him. And the thing is, is that you guys, God, when he corrects you, know that he's doing it out of love, that he loves you and he wants you to do what is right. As we get into verses 7 through 23, now that we're up to speed, we're going to see a generation, a new generation that came after the generation that was with Joshua coming into the promised land. This next generation that was raising up, they did not follow the ways of the Lord. Joshua's generation failed to pass on the importance of following God. And we'll see that in verse 7 here. It's pretty interesting. Let's pick up in verse 7. It says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath, heirs in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. Verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So in this section right here, we see that the people of Israel that Joshua took was obedient to the Lord. The ones that were with Joshua coming into the promised land, they were obedient to the Lord. And even after Joshua died, they continued to be obedient to the Lord. But again, just as I mentioned, they failed to do one thing, and that was to raise up the next generation to fear the Lord. They did not do it because it says in verse 10, right? It says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. They failed to pass the understanding of God to the next generation. And according to Newton's third law, which states this, that for every action there is an equal or opposite reaction, so because that they did not teach their children to follow the ways of the Lord and understand his ways and to know God, 
guess what? There's going to be a, a reaction for that action. And we are going to see that more and more in in the book of Judges. We're going to see that reaction of disobedience, serving false idols, walking and doing what is right in their own eyes. See, the generation that was with Joshua, they were obedient. They were the second generation that came out of the wilderness, you guys. Because the generation before them, they had problems too. But then God raised up this generation, had them cross over into the, into the promised land, and, and they were faithful. But why did they not pass it on the next generation, their kids? They failed in that area. And it's truly on my heart and burdened my heart is, is are we failing with our next generation? God told the people that they must train up the next generation. Did you guys know that? It says that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Check it out on the screen. It says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren. God wanted his, his ways to continue to be taught to the children and to the grandchildren. He told that to the Israelites as they were in the wilderness. God wanted the Israelites to teach their children. Teach the children. Teach the grandchildren. Check out Deuteronomy 6, you guys. It says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Check out verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's pretty powerful. Because what is that telling us? That's telling us that we should be meditating on the word of God all throughout our day, as we've learned in weeks past. But it doesn't just stop with us. It's, it talks, it says like, and tell your children about that too. At the dinner table, do we talk to each other? Are we speaking? Are we just sitting there and just looking at each other, eating our, how's your day, fine? Guys, we can be sharing about what God's doing in our lives. Kids going to school, what's happening at work, what's going on in uh, whatever activity of your life, what is God doing? And be excited to share with your kids. Now, sometimes I take it for granted, you know, personally. You know, God does amazing things every single day, but sometimes I'm just like tired and I just want to sit down, I want to just chill out. But we need to take advantage of the time that God has given to us to share with our family and to our children and and to teach them God's ways and to show them how wonderful and awesome He is. Because that's important. Those are the things that stick in the hearts of a child. See, God, again, wants us to teach our children about Him. Proverbs says it, 22.6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train here means to dedicate. We need to dedicate our children to the Lord, teaching them uh, who He is, so that they know who God is, so that they know who Jesus is, and teaching uh, teaching them all of His ways. 
And the amazing thing is, I'm not really big into Hebrew and all that stuff because I don't speak it, but the Hebrew description of train is to put on the mouth. So if you're looking at this, train is to dedicate and to put on the mouth, we need to put the knowledge of God on the tongues of our children, on their tongues, so that they can digest on who he is and to speak of his power and his greatness. If you don't think your child can be used by God, they can be in a mighty way. God can use a child, even at a young age. And I'm sure that many of us have testimonies of, of them just saying some amazing things that just like, wow, man, where did that come from? <laughs> well, the Lord's doing a work in their lives. And a great example of one who has dedicated her child to the Lord was Hannah. She was praying that she could get pregnant, and the Lord blessed her, and, and she dedicated her son Samuel uh, in the house of the Lord. She dedicated him. Here, he is yours. Please raise him. Train him up. Use him as you see fit. She dedicated him to the Lord. And in doing so, you guys, it says in 1 Samuel 2, 26, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with God and men. By golly, it works. If you pour into your kid, if you teach them God's ways, they will grow up in the Lord. But they have to make their own decision on if they're going to follow the Lord. But you can give them that root, give them that foundation of Jesus. Put Jesus on their mouth, on their tongue. Feed them Jesus. We feed them McDonald's, right? Sonic. All these things that are terrible for their bodies. But why not feed them something that is wonderful and everlasting and beyond mighty power? Just give them the word. Give them God. As believers in Christ, we need to put Jesus in their mouths. And the cool thing is, is it's not just our kids. It's all the kids. There's so many kids that don't know who Jesus is. And I'm not just saying in our church, but in our communities, in our neighborhoods. They don't even know who he is because parents aren't taking their kids to church. But we have the opportunity as believers to share that to the children and to, to, to watch them. You know, I was blessed tonight by just watching the kids rehearse. It's just like it melts my heart because here she is learning who Jesus is. And it's so powerful, you guys. And, and to know that these kids need to know who Jesus is. They need to know him because we don't know if they're being taught at home. They're probably not getting taught at school. We need to rally around our children. I'll share this with you. I'm taking a, a missions class for Bible college, and the missionary said, you know, when we go into the mission field, we target the children. We want to minister to the children. I'm like, the children? Why not the adults? You know? And she said, if you can win the child, it presents an opportunity to win the parent. And if you can win the parent, it brings an opportunity to win the nation. Our children are the key ingredient. They are the next generation. Their hearts are so open to receive. Their hearts aren't hardened. They're not, they're not filled with all this stuff, all this theology and stuff like that. And they're just so simple. And... and open and willing, and they can hear and receive the gospel. And then guess what that does? 
their parents see a change in their child. It's so awesome. But yet, we need to be dedicated. And as a church, uh, when I say church, us as believers need to have that heart to share to the children that are around us and to pour into them. Because guess what? We can all be selfish with our own faith. We can be selfish with the knowledge of the Lord. And Philippians 2, 3, and 4 really spoke to my heart. It said, uh, Paul writing the church at Philippi, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. As adults in church, we can focus on our growth only. Oh, I need to get fed. I need to grow. I need to do this. I need to serve. I, need to, I just need to be plugged in. But guys, guess what? Don't be selfish with your knowledge. Don't be selfish of the knowledge that the Lord has shown you. Give out what God is teaching you to others around you, specifically for our next generation. That's a hard one to do, hard to take in. But I think we can be selfish with our, with our own walk. We want more and we want it to focus around me. But it's not about me, it's about others. It's about serving the Lord and sharing what he is doing with others so that they can know his power and understanding. The results of not training up the child, we see in verse 11. The result, this generation didn't do it. What's the result of not pouring into the next generation? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served balls, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtros and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel so he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed. What's the result? The generation, the children of Israel, did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forsook the Lord meaning that they left him. They were not dedicated to the Lord, therefore they did evil in their own, evil in the sight of the Lord because they didn't know who God was. They didn't know who he was. So of course then what are you going to do? You're going to revert to the flesh and do what is right in your own eyes. They served false gods. This new generation left the God of their fathers. So the result of leaving God, God handed them over to those who would persecute them. God said that they would take advantage of them. That they would bring the children into sin. And the crazy thing is, is that God doesn't force anyone to love him. And sometimes I wish he would. Why don't you just force people to love you, God? Wouldn't it be so much simpler? But God loves us so much that he gives us a choice. He's given you and I a choice either to obey him or disobey him. And if you choose to disobey God, then God allows you to go down that path of sin. Does he want you to go down that path of sin? Absolutely not. 
But I love God because in verse 16, check this out. This is amazing. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. God does not stop pursuing. He doesn't give up, does he? He does not give up. His love never changes for us. And we see this in verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Who did the judges deliver? The children of Israel. Nevertheless, even though they were disobedient, God still cared for them and heard their cries. I love the word nevertheless. It means in spite of all that. And however, however, right? Nevertheless tells me, okay, you did wrong, but I still care about you. And then I would do this for you because I care for you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I care for you. You are serving false gods. You're, you're committing sin. You're walking away. You forsook the Lord. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God raised up judges to deliver the children of Israel out of those who plundered them. I was thinking about that, you know, and with my kids, when my kids mess up, I don't like it. I don't like it when my kids disobey, when they're not doing what they're told, but nevertheless, I still love them. And God is that to you and me. He's like that to you and me. Oh, Eric sins. He's not always obedient. Nevertheless, I still love you. Man, praise God for that. Think about that, you guys. Oh, I struggled today. I fell. I I did X, Y, Z. It wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Nevertheless, I still love you. Nevertheless, I will forgive you. (laughs) Nevertheless, who would think that it would be so powerful? Nevertheless, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. The key thing is with nevertheless is found in verse 17. It says, yet they would not listen to the judges but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. This new generation of Israelites did not listen to their judges, as we will see more in the weeks to come, in the months to come. Instead, they turned away quickly from the Lord, the God of their fathers. See, God has has sent the nevertheless for us. He has sent Jesus. The nevertheless, right? The question is to man is, do you listen to Jesus? Do you believe in his words? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John wrote in his gospel, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. If you listen to who Jesus is and believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, then you will have life. This is God's nevertheless. Pastor Eric will continue teaching through the book of Judges the next time you join us. As you've been listening today, perhaps some questions have come to mind. If so, we'd like to help. Just email your questions, comments, or prayer requests to info at gracetothehearers.com. 
That's info at gracetothehearers.com. We'll be sure to prayerfully respond because it's our desire to help you on your journey as you're seeking to walk with Jesus. You can also post your comments or questions to our Facebook page. Just search on Facebook for Grace to the Hearers Radio and join the conversation. If you can't find a church near you that's teaching through the Bible verse by verse, please let us know. We may be able to help you connect with a Bible study in your area and we'll certainly add you and your community to our prayer list as it's our desire to see God's Word being simply and systematically taught in every community. Again, you can contact us by email at info at gracetothehearers.com or give us a call at 520-723-7047. That's 520-720-7047. And please don't worry if you haven't been able to write this information down. All this information and more is available at our website, gracetothehearers.com. That's gracetothehearers.com. Log on to get to know us better. Join us next time as Pastor Eric continues to proclaim grace to the hearers from the book of Judges. That's next time on Grace to the Hearers.